Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today, my guest is Danny Harris, the co-founder of Game Day. Danny and I have a great conversation about his career and all the incredible startups he was a part of and how he learned what he learned to create Game Day. Game Day is a very, very cool company where they're helping create more monetization opportunities for athletes through social media. So I won't explain that too much further because Danny does a great job at doing it. So please enjoy this conversation I have with Danny Harris. Yes. You do this out of your house? I do this in my basement. Oh, nice. Right in my basement. And we're recording, so I guess that one's going to make it to the list. Um, today I have Danny Harris, uh, co-founder of Game Day. Danny, thanks for hanging out with me in my basement today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's a good day. It's a good day to be alive. The pleasure is all mine. Where are you, Where are you located right now? I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, so and just about 20 miles south of San Francisco. Well, stay safe, of course. Uh, and thank yes. you for doing this so early in the morning. We could have yeah. done it a little bit later. That's not a problem. I don't know why you accepted this time. You didn't have hey, to. If it's convenient for you, it'll be convenient for me. We'll find a way. I appreciate it. You're very well awake for 7 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I get up at 6, but I'm usually not like, there we go. A little bit yeah. of coffee. Yeah, Good for yeah. you, man. Yeah, the essentials. Let's That's get right. that rock of fuel in us. Um, so, Danny, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? You know, I love the competitive aspect of it. I love the, the opportunity to not only be um, great at, at a personal level, uh, I personally love the team aspect of sports. Um, and I've, growing up, I really enjoyed um, being part of that team and uh, really the practices and, and really getting good as that team progresses. And mm -hmm. so it was, it was something that you know, I really started to appreciate and understand how everybody's role is important in that team aspect. That is awesome. And I'm sure you've seen that a lot, especially with, you know, a startup and, and being in the Silicon Valley area, kind of seeing that, hey, guys, you know, we need to get better at the motion offense or, hey, guys, let's practice this play. And, and you know, it can kind of very much equate to, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it, which I think is really cool. So you grew up in the California area, correct? Yeah, I grew up, yep. you know, where, where I'm at now. Uh, went away Very from college, cool. but, you know, ultimately came back to the Bay Area. It was where a lot, my, a lot of my family and friends uh, continue to live. Very cool. Very In yeah. the California area. How stupid is that this East Coaster? I mean, that's like from New Jersey <laughs> yeah. to freaking Florida. So, yeah. Sorry about that. The Bay Area. There yeah, we yeah. go. Yeah. There we it's go. Different. Um, it's a little different than Southern it's California. A it's a little different. Uh, yeah. So I've heard at least. And uh, so after, so you went to um, Berkeley, right? Uh, no, I went to Santa Barbara. UC Santa oh, Barbara. sorry. I take that back then. You went yeah, to UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> still part of the UC system. Exactly. You're a smart yeah. dude. That's kind of what I got out of that. Um, and so after graduating, I actually saw you had a couple of sports jobs within uh, two different colleges, if I'm not mistaken. Was that kind? Of, was that by design? Did you always want to be? I, I did you always want to be in sports. I did. Uh, you know, I was I was one of those kids in college, or actually even starting college, where I, I had no idea what I wanted to do, um, but always gravitated towards sports. Could you know? read the newspaper in the morning uh, with my breakfast, 
given that there was no internet at the time. I was going to so, say, what is a newspaper? Yeah. Right, right. Reading the uh, the box scores from the night before his game. Uh, and so it was always something that I that I just loved being a part of. And it really didn't matter what sports it was. I could just watch ESPN all day. <clears throat> so getting to college and seeing that sports were a big part of the college atmosphere, although Santa Barbara, it wasn't as big, but there were still plenty of sports that um, had success. And so it was something that I continued to gravitate towards. And my junior year in college, uh, a roommate of mine started working in the sports information department. And I understood that that was a, a, an avenue for a non-athlete. Well, I, I wouldn't say a non-athlete, somebody who I, couldn't make it to that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I saw that there was an opportunity for the other aspects of, of sports and making sure that all, the, all the, uh, the business side of it. And so my senior year, I started in the sports information department and I was the sports information director for the Santa Barbara baseball team. And that's sort of where it, it took off with an opportunity at, at Cal, which is probably where you saw that. And so I, uh, in 2000, I was a, a, the assistant sports information director or media relations director at, at Cal. And I was responsible for the men's soccer team, the men's gymnastics team, and the softball team, along with the, the major sports and mm-hmm. helping out with those. But I was directly responsible for those other sports. And, and there was a lot of success with, with all three of those sports. In fact, with the softball team, we went to the College World Series, which was an amazing experience. That's awesome. That is so cool. And yeah, it's, it's always just really interesting to see how people kind of get into these jobs in sports. That's always something I want to touch upon. Um, you know, it, as you said, it was, it was your roommate because it's kind of already doing it. So you're like, hey, let me, let me, let me see how this is. This yeah. sounds like it's kind of fun. Um, and you're able to take advantage of it for a couple of years. And I think that's awesome. Um, Eventually you did, it does look like at least um, you did leave the sports world uh, for a significant period of time, but you made it back and that's the most important part. So um, yeah, I saw you had a pretty interesting auction, auction drop. The, uh, it was like an eBay reseller essentially it looked like, or an eBay sales platform. Like explain like why you left the sports and information world, especially because it sounds like you're having a lot of fun when you were there and getting into these more, I guess, tech based, internet based startup boring no i'm kidding uh tell, yeah tell me a little bit about that so actually before that auction drop it was another startup company that was ebay okay. related um it was a and it was a simple customer service department where i was answering emails with of um ebay sellers who were using a service that i was that i was working for called mm-hmm. on um it really came down to i think at the time being young and wanting to have more of a probably more of a social life as well as sort of recognizing that maybe financially at the time, it wasn't in my best interest to continue down that sports path. Mm -hmm. The amount of hours and the amount of sort of pay, the the pay to hours ratio is um, it's hard. It's really hard, especially in the Bay area. And so I actually, an an uncle of mine said um, as I was working my probably my 13th or 14th straight day in at Cal and I was sitting at Haas Pavilion uh, watching a gymnastics meet on a Sunday afternoon. And I thought, what, what, I, need to, I need to do something mm-hmm. else. And so an uncle of mine said, you should really try to find a job where you could enjoy sports versus being forced to be involved in sports. And so that was mm-hmm. just a, an eye-opening experience of, hey, there's other stuff out there. I, I should go check those out and see what, see what else I can do. Um, 
And so that, that's ultimately what took me out of sports and into the startup world. It was still very similar in that you're required to do multiple things. You're required to be involved in multiple aspects of the business. And especially in the sports startup world that I enjoy being a part of, which is the early stage startup world, it's, hey, everybody's going to do everything. And that's similar with sports information and sort of everybody has a role and, and it's important for everybody to have that role and be successful in that role. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing a lot of people, what, what drives people out of sports, right? Like it, you, you do it because you love your team, you love the sport, you want to be a part of it. But once you're there, you know, it's like you do something so much, it's not fun anymore. Now it's work. Um, and then that takes away, that's like your biggest joy in the world, which you then took from a joy to now it's, you know, it's, it, it's a negative. So not yeah. only is that joy not there, now you have an extra negative involved too. So it's a very, it's a very interesting dynamic. And, and, you know, you're not the first, you're not the last person to say, Hey, you know, I kind of want to just enjoy these sports because that's why, like, I will be very honest. I'm a very big Giants fan, New York Giants fan. Uh, I don't want to work for the Giants. I want to sit on my couch on Sunday and drink beer and eat chicken wings <laughs> with my friends. Like it's, I'm very upfront and honest about that. It's just, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And it's, it's difficult. And, you know, it, thankfully you learned it in the beginning um, mm-hmm. and you weren't there for, you know, 10 years and realized, man, I would have just liked to watch these sports, but how was it, was it hard to kind of come to that? Or was it kind of just like, thank God, like I did this. It's cool. I learned it. I don't want to work, you know, 15, 16, 17 days in a row watching men's gymnastics on a Sunday. No offense to men's gymnastics, you know, like what, how, how did you kind of, you know, obviously your uncle said it, but that emotional kind of interaction with yourself, how did you, how did you handle it? You know, there was, there was an aspect of timing. And I think I, I, as we get into sort of more of my, the, the story, it's, it's all timing. With, with Cal, it was the school year was up and the, the one-year internship sort of came to a conclusion. Softball season ended uh, even after the school year was up. And that was sort of the end, the culmination of that, that year. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I hadn't pursued a, another school for me to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something, and then I think that, that lack of drive earlier in the school year with me saying, I'm not going to do this as more jobs were getting filled and more opportunities were being presented. It was sort of that, that, that was my internal messaging saying, mm-hmm. let's think, let's look for something else. But it really was timing in that the school year ended and now I got to figure out what's next. And there wasn't something next after that. It was, it was, uh, oh, that moment of, and I was still sleeping in my, my, in my old bedroom in my parents' house of woke up that next day after the school, after that was over. And it was, I need to go look for a restaurant job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I still have, you know, college tuition I've got to pay for. Uh, and so that was sort of that, that was another eye opening experience of, all right, now, pick yourself up and let's figure out what, what the opportunities are that you can find. I love it. And I will, I will, I will say, I think every single person on planet earth should be a waiter, waitress, or busboy at some point in their life, because it gives you a huge perspective. I worked in a restaurant for 10 years. Just do it. Just do it for like a year. Just check it out. See what it's like. You get a whole different perspective on that. But what, I, did, um, I mean, I, I did college val. I did ballet parking, oh, part, okay. private, private parties and, and restaurants in college. And that just equally the eye-opening. Exactly. Yep. hundred percent. In Santa Work Barbara in of all places. Work in the service industry for yeah. a year. I promise it'll change your perspective on life um, a lot more than you think. Um, and so thank you for doing that. Thank you for your service, Danny. We yeah. do appreciate that. <laughs> and then, I, so I guess what, what did you, how, how did you go about going, you know, finding your next 
not just job, obviously, you know, working in the restaurant industry, as you said, doing valet, doing what you need to do. How did you find that spot at Andale? And how did you kind of figure out what, if it was the right position or if it was just, hey, man, I need to pay my bills, whatever's here is here. Network. It was all about the, the people I had in my life and a good friend of mine was working there. And it was also the 2002. So the startup world was still sort of going a little crazy. It was, it was mm-hmm. on its way um, to the boom or to the bust, if you will. Um, but yeah, it was all about having a friend who was working there and he introduced me to a coworker of his who was hiring. That's it. So you had a friend that helped you get your first sports job. You had a friend that helped you get your first, you know, step into your career. What did you, what did you like, keep, keep going with the story then? I mean, so you had a friend there, you worked there. As I said, I thought you went straight to auction drop. So you were at an eBay type eBay, place. Yeah. eBay reseller. Another. Yeah. And so that, that sort of gave me some understanding of the eBay world, the online selling world. I was there for a little over uh, close to two years. And then happened to see a job that the buddy of mine who I worked with saw on Craigslist with auction drop. It was, they had just gotten a seed round of funding. He went for an interview. I went for an interview. Um, he ultimately was too expensive. I was uh, still more entry level. Yep. And, you know, I ended up uh, getting the job. I was the fourth employee there. And as the, well, I was the first non-founder mm. of, the, of the company and really helped them get things started. And I uh, embraced that with, you know, having these amazing opportunities to really have an impact, as we talked about before, Mm -hmm. of how can we make this successful and how can we help this ultimately grow to, you know, they raised an A round of, you know, four or $5 million. And I was really a a significant part of that and a big player in that for for over four years and really got to understand sort of the business aspect. um, Because what I ultimately found at auction drop was a mentor mm-hmm. and a, a mentor that I still consider a valuable friend today and somebody who I lean on and I rely on and I check in with at all times, especially now in the game day mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Well now in the game day world, but also like now in just this, the, 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 the general world that we're living general in world, is a little yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so again, just going back to networking. So it seems like that, that's going to be a huge theme and I'm excited to, to learn more about some of your mentors along the way. Was this, so you were at Andale for two years, if I'm not mistaken, you said, mm-hmm. and then you were here at Auction Drop for four years. Was this kind of the solidification of, guess I'm going to be in the startup world for a while? Yeah, it was something that I really enjoyed. I, especially at Auction Drop, where I could determine change, I mm-hmm. could impact change, and I, you know, I found that people respected me because I wasn't, and I continue to not be a person that just tells people what to do. It's, I want to experience it first. I want to understand what the, what, what is needed, what is asked, what is being asked of everybody Mm -hmm. in order to understand how can we, how can we make that change and how can I help those that are actually being responsible to do it? That's awesome. And that, that is really cool, especially being, I mean, you're at ground floor at that point, as you said, you're the first, you're the first non-founder hired. Mm -hmm. How, how quickly or how difficult have you found it to be in the startup world to be able to first, you have to gain the trust of the people there to then be able to make, you know, the impact that it sounds like you're, you're very capable of making. How long does that, how long, you know, especially in those first few roles for you, was it until you could start to actually see, you know, the, the impact that you were, you were creating and making? 
it's it, it it takes a little time you know you, course, you have yeah. to earn everybody's trust you have to earn everybody's respect and you have to you have to what what i what i found for myself was it was again it was helpful for them to realize i was the one also doing it with them shoulder to shoulder toe to toe with them and understanding what their what their lives were being like what 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 it was being asked of them and i so i think that goes a long way in people in earning that respect it's probably accelerates it Mm-hmm. instead of sitting in an office and saying and sending an email and saying here's what I want you to do and the you know sort of being able to see what the facial expressions are and having those conversations so that that for me goes a long way and it continues to go a long way where I'm constantly checking in with people and making sure that hey are we are, are we thinking about this the right way mm-hmm. and is there any feedback that you can provide and that, that's something that I continue to ask of my team whether they're willing to provide it or not it's the constant question of what do you think because I ultimately want to know what opinions are, what other opinions are that are out there. Yeah, I mean, you brought them onto the team, right? Like you care enough about them to pay their salary. Um, you, you might as well at least ask yeah. their opinion and see what right. they're doing. I think that that part, it's always interesting kind of, especially in bigger companies and more, you know, bureaucratic companies, how you could tell, you know, I have some friends that are just like, yeah, nothing I do matters. Like if I didn't show up to work and no one walked into my office, nothing would probably change. So it's nice to know, you know, especially in that startup world that you're able to find something that, you know, you going back to that sports analogy, you can make that impact, you can see what's happening. And, and you can do it in that tight knit group of a team, uh, which I think is is pretty darn cool. So you you guys grew relatively fast when you were at auction drop, you eventually did leave there. Mm-hmm. Was this power was power reviews? Was that another startup? It was it was okay. a little further along. They I think it was probably um, after an A round, maybe it maybe a B uh, investment round. But again, it okay. was because of somebody who I'd met at auction drop mm-hmm. and he was at uh, power reviews and I ultimately went to replace his role as he was moving up in, in the company. Very so again, cool. you go back to, you go back to the networking, you go back, you go back to the, the earned right to have people want to bring you to places mm-hmm. that, that they're at. Yes. So it's not, it's not just networking. Yes. That's a great, great point. You can know everybody on planet earth. If they don't believe that you're capable of doing something, or if you haven't shown them, if they don't trust you, know you like you trust you, if you haven't shown them that you're capable of doing the job, you're not going to get it right. Like that, that's the thing. Everyone's like, Oh, it's who, you know, not what, you know, well, you kind of have to know something, you know, that person's going to, you know, put their name on the line. Um, so how, how, so these transitions so far, how, is this you reaching out? Is that, is this them reaching out to you? Is it just like a continued, not constant, but a continued open dialogue and then someone just being like, Oh, by the way, or is it something where they say, Hey, I'm moving up. And you say, I'm looking for a new job. Like how do, how do those conversations, at least in your world work? Yeah. In the, in the auction drop to Andalay, uh, sorry, auction drop to, or uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Auction drop. Uh, we got it. Andalay to, to auction power, drop. Oh, yeah, okay. I apologize. Auction drop to power reviews. It was, the the person who I had worked with, um, I would also, also almost consider a mentor of mine. Even were you know we're essentially the same age, but it was we, we just would hang out all the time, and he would he would tell me about some of the challenges that he was dealing with at Power Reviews, and you know I would offer some suggestions. He obviously knew what I was dealing with at mm-hmm. at uh, Auction Drop, and so he was able to be aware and, and make the suggestions that maybe he wasn't willing to make at the time while he was still mm-hmm. there. So it was just open dialogues. It was very fluid. And then, then ultimately when the, his opportunity came up, he was basically told, Hey, go find your replacement. 
And so again, it, it goes back to that earned right mm-hmm. to have those conversations. He wouldn't have recommended, he wouldn't have wanted me to take his role that he had well established if I hadn't proven myself alongside with him at the last role. And so exactly. it, 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 that's really what it all comes down to is hundred percent. It's it, to your point. It's not what, you know, it's not who, you know, but it's that combination of the two. Absolutely. There's a plus sign and then there's an yeah. equal somewhere along the way there. Um, yep. So with, with, you know, kind of changing these roles, I'm sure other things came up around, you know, as well, right. I'm assuming you don't just talk to two people. <laughs> I'm assuming you're, you know, you're out there, you're talking to a lot of people. What was it about, you know, moving from, you know, again, on delay to auction drop, auction drop to power reviews that, you saw as, okay, th- this is the move I want to make, not the other two or three that I may have been, um, that the opportunity has come about, but I decided I didn't want those. What, what was it about these, these jobs specifically? So two things. One, growth. I would say three things. Growth and I think responsibility, uh, more responsibility. Those, those aren't, they're not mutually exclusive. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're, they go in sort of different ways. So, so those two, but really... Being able to work with a friend, being able to work with people that you know, there's nothing more valuable in that. There's nothing more exciting about having those friends sort of in the, the line of fire with you, mm-hmm. the ones that are going to support you, the ones that wanted you to come alongside with them. So why wouldn't you want to continue to have those relationships in the business world if you're already having them outside of it? That's a, I mean, that is a great point. Obviously, you know, we, we can go, you know, just because this is sports, we can always look at LeBron wanting to go play with, you know, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. They're his friends, right? But the one, I, and I'll, I'll just ask this question candidly, as you worked in sports and then quickly found out, you know, I actually kind of just want to enjoy sports being sports. Did you ever kind of have those growth, the, the, the growth within your relationship to be like, all right, like, I really like you as a friend, but man, spending another 60 hours a week with you is starting to really pull at me. Like, did you ever have like kind of that, that growth period? Like, again, you know, moving in with your significant other, those first six months, man, I was going <laughs> to kill my girlfriend, but now we figured it out and like how it works. So how, how did that kind of, you know, work, starting to work with your friends? Yeah. And, it, and in fact, this person became my boss. And oh, so, <laughs> that's know, a little different. Introduce that other dynamic. And, and yeah, you sort of figure out his, you, you learn more about people. It's not just, hey, let's go grab a beer or, or sushi. It's um, because again, it was, we were coworkers while friends. And now I was his subordinate and he was directing me. And so while I had earned his respect, while I had earned his um his the the opportunity to take over his job there was still you know there's still challenges in hey, i don't necessarily agree with the things you're saying um but knowing the the person that he was knowing the hey we're going to have that open dialogue very similar to what i was that that my the way i operate it was hey we're going to talk through this we're going to work through this and again we may not agree but we will agree to disagree and he knows that i'm still i still have the best intentions to be successful and continue to move the ball forward. That's all. Uh, that's very good advice. Uh, I appreciate that. And I promise we will get to game day, but I'm always yeah, interested in like those, yeah. those first couple, you know, those first few years, especially those first few careers. And I don't really get, to, I mean, I talk to people in the startup world, but I've never talked to someone who's had multiple jobs within the startup world. Like you have So I'm always, these are just interesting questions that I think yeah. of. So hopefully you're enjoying yourself a little bit. Um, and I do think that's a really important, you know, aspect, you know, again, networking is very important. It's not just who, you know, but it is the, what, you know, aspect. And then working with your friends, well, 
you know, again, you know, living with your girlfriend's different than just having a girlfriend. So <laughs> I'm always just kind of curious how, how that aspect works. So you eventually you're at power reviews the first time, um, they end up getting bought out. You then go to another place, uh, Digamark, if I'm not mistaken, you were there for a hot second and then you get back to power reviews. Um, what is that, you know, period of time, like, and kind of running around the world, changing, you know, going through a transition, leaving, coming back, like what, what, what happened in that, um, those four years, how did you grow as a person four or five years, however long it was? Yeah. So when I went from, from the acquisition of power reviews and it was, a uh, the acquisition was an interesting experience. That was my first time uh, being mm-hmm. a part of an acquisition. So that was a, that was a successful experience. You know, people that work in the startup world I and mean, so many of the, you know, the, the statistics are, are just not there for people that, that to have a success. Mm-hmm. So that was a in, really, in what way, what exactly do you mean? An exit, a, okay. a, you know, the, you work so hard and oftentimes it's maybe less pay for equity. And so, or you're working towards those milestones of you've now earned equity. So what is that equity, equity going to be worth? Well, oftentimes it's not worth anything because companies don't make it and sort of that, you know, that will transition to, you know, game day, you know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, when we talk, start talking about that, but, but the reality of, the, you know, I, as I think about the startup world, I, that was my third startup. So one for three. That's a pretty good, I mean, that's a hall of famer in the, in major league baseball. <laughs> yep. Right. That's true. So, uh, that's, a I, I, that's a, a good notch that I, that I really am, am proud of. And, and I feel like I had a, an impact in that. that um, pretty cool. so then going to the acquisition, it was inter- an interesting acquisition in that the, our main competitor acquired us. Now, then the Department of Justice stepped in. They ended up suing for antitrust. So th- that's a whole nother podcast, probably. Mm. <laughs> um, I ended up transitioning after about a year of being a part of this new company and just wanted a new experience. And again, went to a company that I had, because of somebody who I had worked with at PowerViews version one. So he recruited me. Then because of the, because of the, su- the antitrust lawsuit, that then led to the fact that power reviews had to become a brand new company again. And many of my friends were still there, still part of that company. And so again, the respect that I had earned, the networking and the continued relationships that I had maintained with those folks, when the reality was set in of this company had to be restarted, I was one that people started reaching out to, to say, Hey, let's, let's bring Danny back to help us with this process. Mm-hmm. That was an, another amazing opportunity to get back into more of the ground level of a company that I already know that I already knew um, processes, operations, the industry that I was already very comfortable with, and now something that I could have a greater impact in because so much of it had been wiped out, and now I could re- rebuild it the way I mm-hmm. thought it should be built. Yeah, that's true. So, as in uh, with Auction Drop, you being the first, you know, non-founder to be mm-hmm. hired. Now with this, again, this kind of version two you're going to be at where you like to be kind of back on the ground floor, having that huge, huge impact and what's going to happen. And I noticed the, the, your job title changed significantly from the version one to version two, version two comes in and you're now, now it's a lot more content based. Uh, now, so this is a few years later. So obviously the, the, the internet, I mean, it changes what feels like on a daily basis at this yeah. point, but especially back then some huge, huge opportunities were happening. And I noticed a lot of what you did again in version two was a lot of around user generated content. And now going, it seems like Power Reviews version one was just a lot of online reviews and version two was a little bit more of that influencer space with those reviews. Tell me if I'm wrong, please. But I mean, like, what was it like 
kind of coming in, did you decide, was that your decision to say, hey, I want to focus a lot more on this. I want to make sure that we're paying attention more to this. Or was it, hey, we're thinking about this. Do you want to handle it? So it, it was starting in version one. The okay. importance of, if you think about ratings, user-generated content, and what is that, how does that impact the e-commerce world? Those Because we've probably all sought out reviews. We've also all questioned the validity, validity of those reviews and the mm -hmm. authenticity of those reviews. So that was really starting earlier on. It became more of the focal point in version two because of the competitive aspect of the company that had to spin us out and trying to regain the footing of a, a significant player in the e-commerce e mm -hmm. slash ratings and reviews world. Mm -hmm. So while my, while the title changed and I, and I will, if I, if I take a step back from this, I, I will, I will state that I really excel more in the operational aspect. And I think you, you see that as you, if you look at my trajectory and the, the, the roles that I've taken on, it's very operational and it's really trying to scale processes and opportunities from a backend perspective. And that's content, that's systems, that's tools that's teams that are really being asked to, you know, in some cases just make the sausage. Nobody mm. cares how it's made. And that that's oftentimes an area that I really, that, that excites me. And Hey, how, how much better can we make that sausage if we do it this way and create this tool or operationally fix some, some inefficiencies this way. But if we go back in, on, into the power reviews world version two, that was really the exciting aspect is I knew some of the challenges that we had faced in version one, and I knew that I could really impact those in version two because there, there, there was also almost no rules at, the, at, at that point because it was a fresh start. Mm -hmm. We knew where we wanted to get to, and now was my responsibility to help us get there. And what were the systems, tools, and operational efficiencies that I could help facilitate and I could help grow to get us there? Reverse engineer where you're trying to get to, and yeah, it was certainly helpful that I had the that I had the awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, seven years, eight, almost eight years in the ratings and review space really allows for that. And and again, the respect of being in the trenches early on and earning that, and sort of everybody sort of just said, "Hey, Danny's going to take care of this." Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to say this very respectively, but I think sports is more interesting than ratings and reviews. I don't know. Is it me? Can I say that? Is that mean? I don't know. I'm sure everyone that does those jobs, you included, you're all incredible people. But personally, well, I'm, I'm not there anymore. So uh, exactly, you're, you're exactly. Absolutely right. But when you were there, when you were there, I don't want to, you know, if, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to poo-poo anything you've done because it's gotten to you where you are. And again, I, I, I really do like to kind of step by step, really understanding what your thinking is and why you're doing what you're doing along the way because. Now you're here. Now this is the fun part. We get to talk about game yeah. day and what you're doing. And, and again, the reason why I wanted to touch upon that last part with power reviews is because it, it seems like the user generated content is a lot of what you're doing now with the athletes and how you're helping them kind of spread their message and getting fans to get involved. So you started in January, 2018. Congratulations. A little over two years old. Um, couple first questions. One, now you're the guy in charge. What was it like finally taking that leap and saying, okay, I want not, not even what game day is yet, but like wh at what point were you just like, you know, I kind of want to do this thing on my own and see how, how I can do it. Not on your own, of course, but cause you obviously have a great team, but you want to be the, you know, the, the head person in charge. What, what, where was that along the way that you're just like, no, nah, I kind of want to try this out. <clears throat> Timing. 
timing ah. was everything. So if I think back probably even six or eight months prior to January 18, when I'm still part of the power Views team, it was thinking of this idea and we'll talk about a little bit more of the idea uh, in a, in a minute, but having sort of this idea about what game day could become. However, being in the interest of being fiscally responsible with a, uh, at the time, a five and a half year old, um, it, it would not have been fiscally responsible of me to jump in to a startup world on my own as, as an employed member of, of a team where I was getting paid. So it was, I'll continue to think about it. I will jot some ideas down. I'll, it'll, it'll still marinate and my wife and I will still talk about it and she'll still say, you should go do this. You should try to do this. Go do this. I think there's something here, uh, which is also important, which we can talk about in a minute. But um, August of 2017, um, PowerViews came to me and said, hey, we're going to consolidate. And at the time I was working remotely, they were headquartered in, they're headquartered in Chicago and they said, you know what, we're going to bring everything back into the Chicago office. And although you're valuable, we want to, we, we want to efficiently have the team in one place. So mm -hmm. they, they ultimately made that decision for me to end that relationship, which then put me in a situation of, okay, what is my next? What's my next thing? So it was all timing and my mm -hmm. wife, my wife said, now's the time for you to go do this. Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to your wife too, for yeah. pushing you to do something like that. As you said, might not be the most fiscally responsible thing to do in the San Francisco Bay yeah. area with a, with the five and a half year old. Um, but that is, I mean, it's awesome. Shout out to her for pushing you. And clearly again, she knew you were capable because uh, we're still here two years later, a little right. over two years later, you made it so high. You know, you you got so successful that you're talking to me in my basement today. Look at that, Danny. You're, you're, you're you on top of the world, man. I made it. You absolutely made it. That that is that is how you know. Um, so shout out to Power Reviews too. I mean, because again, if they didn't, you know, make that decision, you'd probably still be there, which isn't a bad thing. Um, yep. but now you kind of get to you know work in sports again, which is, you know, what what's that like around the second time too? Was that and again, we're gonna get to. I promise you, we're gonna get to game day. But I totally. just have so many questions for you personally, like with knowing what you were doing before in the sports world did that have any impact on wanting to get back into the sports world? I mean, I'm sure in startup world, you're working a million hours a week anyway. So like, did that have any impact or was it kind of just this idea that you really wanted to work on? So I can't say, I cannot say that there's a lot of parallels in the uh, sports information, sort of collegiate mm -hmm. sports, writing press releases, doing box scores, game day related stuff. Um, with the exception of the name game day, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, I just, just thought of that. Um, <laughs> so, but, but the reality was I still love and continue to watch sports center and I still want, and I go to giants games and I'm watching the Niners and warriors and all of that stuff. So I'm still highly invested in sports, local sports, very sports, but still obviously on a national level. And I still love talking sports with friends and, even, um, you know, as my, as my five now seven-year-old wants to talk about Pablo Sandoval, you know, those types of things or Draymond Green. So it's still, it's still a big aspect of my life. And so, uh, I, while I can't say 
it was a driver to get back into sports. It conveniently was there because of my love of sports and my awareness of e-commerce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because of what I had done at power reviews. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. really right. the bridge between the two. Very cool. Yeah, that is, that is, that is awesome. Also Pablo Sandoval, um, <laughs> shout out to him for everything that he's done in his career. Yeah. Uh, what a great contract that was, yeah. but Oof. you guys didn't even have to pay any of it. So who Correct. cares? Jokes on the Red Sox. That's right. Uh, Still is, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't, is it, I think it might've ended last year, but what, either way, it's hilarious yeah, yeah. no matter what. And I love it. 60 million. Um, oof, so much money. Yeah. Uh, so Danny, what is game day? So let me, uh, I'll yeah, tell you yeah. where, where the, how it started sitting Please. on my couch, watching a Warriors basketball game. They were wearing a, a red warmup and I didn't know it, it caught my eye. And I started looking for, to buy it. It was, it happened to be Chinese heritage night. And so it was a, a one-time thing or a two-time thing with the, with the Warriors because red's obviously not their color. And I tried to, I tried to find it as, as quickly as possible. And I got, you know, I got into it five minutes, then I got distracted. And so ultimately what I, the, the realization from a sports fan's perspective, again, putting, putting my sports hat on, and my awareness of the e-commerce world that I had spent eight years in. What I came to realize is that the shopping world hasn't changed. E-commerce hasn't changed since Amazon introduced it or home shopping introduced it with a top navigation or a left-hand navigation where you can drill down by categories. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a sports experience. And those experiences are the games themselves, the athletes that are participating in those games, the the big event, the Super Bowl, but in my world, it was Chinese Heritage Night. It was the Warriors versus maybe the Rockets at the time on, I don't know, uh, May 7th, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So thinking of it from, from a sports fan's perspective, that's what I know. I know that the Warriors were playing the Rockets. I know Steph Curry was playing in that game. And that's the experience that me as a sports fan had. And so I wanted to create a shopping experience around that and bridge the gap between e-commerce and those experiences that sports fans have in real time. So as you're a, as a sports fan, if whatever catches your eye, we want to really create that discovery and shopping experience in real time within a second screen today. So follow your favorite athletes, follow your favorite teams, or just browse the, the app and see the sneakers that Steph Curry is wearing or the player's edition that of LeBron's 16s that he has that, is, that are available at StockX. And we really want to give that fan experience to see it and now go buy it. It's really that I see it and I want it experience that we've all now grown to expect. And if we don't have it, we move on because we're all distracted and we're all looking for that instant gratification. So I want to, I want to provide that instant gratification and immediacy for a sports fan. I love it. It's a great idea too. I mean, especially if there is a place where you can and find those unique finds too, right? It's not just, I'm sure you could, you know, it's very easy to go buy a Steph Curry jersey, but it's not as easy to find that, you know, Chinese Heritage Night warm up that they're going to, as you say, wear once or twice a year. And it's going to be different the next year because that's kind of how the sports world works. So what, um, how do you even start something like this? I mean, you've been in multiple startups, but you've never... I mean, I guess Power Reviews the second time around, you've been, you know, really, I mean, you've been on the ground floor, but how do you go from idea to I'm going to form an LLC and I'm going to do all these things and have this actual company and it's going to be 
in my name? Like, how does that, like, how do you do that? You reach out to the people that you respect. Think back Timing, to, think, you th I, I think back to my, that mentor who I mentioned at Auction Drop, who I spent four years with, who I still consider a big friend of mine, who's an investor in game day. I, he was the first person I went to. Uh, he had been a co-founder <clears throat> at, a, at a few companies. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he sort of had some directions for me and sort of put me in the right mindset of maybe here are some things you should start with looking into. And some advice is really what he started to provide. Not a, not a checklist, not a, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. It was, it was almost like, I, I wouldn't say maybe it was a test perhaps, but it was just, hey, I, uh, this is what I recommend. And, and so I took all of that in and I, I absorbed all of that. And I, I just started to act on it and I started to sort of chip away. And that's really what it, what it comes down to is just chip away because it, all of it can be pretty overwhelming if you let it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Starting a company is probably crazy. And now are you, do you have a co-founder? You do have a co-founder, correct? So I've, I've gone through a couple technical partners. Okay. Um, today we have the, the team is really constructed of me and some developers, uh, part, developer partners. Mm -hmm. and a team around the world who sort of are the game day analysts that are connecting the dots between e-commerce and, and the events themselves. Okay. And then, um, so, so, so I really rely on a uh, consulting agency from a technical perspective. And then, so with that, knowing kind of how the startup, you've been in the startup world for so long, is that, is that the normal? Is that something that's a little different? Like, is it usually one person with the idea and then they kind of kind of feel out to see who makes the most sense? I don't want to put you on blast or, you know, have you put anyone else on blast? I'm just kind of curious how that world works. You know, I, I think there's a combination of the two. I think there's, is there somebody who is as passionate about the idea as you are? <clears throat> and I will say, and, and it's not putting somebody on blast, you know, there's, the, I, I have gone uh, I've gone through a couple different iterations of, of what that, of what that is. And does that has maybe that, maybe the passion was there or there was a believed passion and maybe that passion um, fizzled out. And so <clears throat> the, what, you know, one of the important things, lessons that I've continued to learn and continue to be reminded of is nobody is going to have the same level of passion about the idea as you. And mm -hmm. you as the founder, co-founder, you know, originator of the idea, <clears throat> if you can find that person priceless, but you can't convince somebody or you can't put yourself in a position where you're constantly having to convince them mm -hmm. that this is a great idea. And so what I have found at this stage is find somebody who can help you just create, continue the momentum from a development mm -hmm. perspective. Very cool. And then you actually said it, um, the iterations of it, how has this product changed from, you know, January, 2018 or August of 2017 and kind of that first aha moment, May, whatever the heck that date was to where you are now. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's probably the, the biggest transitional and, and growth for me, uh, within of, of game day. Mm -hmm. Um, we think about what is the opportunity for game day from a sports fan's perspective and really having that real-time discovery, real-time shopping. 
where it has tr transitioned and while it remains a big value opportunity for the sports fan in having that immediacy opportunity. What I've learned over time is where we can be a huge platform for athletes and the business of athletes. And so, and you even touched upon it earlier on around what can we help athletes become as they're thinking about their business and their business is their personal business, but it's mm -hmm. also what makes me who I am and how can I continue to maximize my value, whether I'm on the court course pitch, but maybe what do I do with this after I'm done playing or during the off season. And so ultimately what it's become is that real branding platform for sports fans for, sorry, for athletes. And what we provide is, is that platform for an athlete to bring together a full 360 degree view of the brands and products that they represent. And what's interesting is that representation may not be as a result of a business relationship that could just be an affinity product that they respect, that they mm -hmm. like, that they've used over time to help them on or off, uh, you know, professionally or from a lifestyle perspective. They might not, most of the time, they're not getting any endorsement deals from many of these brands, mm -hmm. but it is what they represent. It is what makes them who they are. And there's an opportunity for them to share that out to their fans and followers to help their fans and followers discover what they're representing. Mm -hmm. and, and so, so I mean, just so then, so, sorry to interrupt, but no, no, no. take it one step further, what that provides is that fan to learn so much more about their favorite athletes. What that also provides is that athlete's opportunity to create a new revenue stream through a shared revenue model and understanding what their true brand influence is. I love it. That was going to be, you know, the, the question kind of to go along with that is, you know, how have you seen the brands react? Because if the brand sees that, you know, again, just, just two easy examples, you know, NBA, Louis Vuitton and Gucci, right? Like what NBA athlete doesn't love just not, I mean, Russell Westbrook cannot possibly get paid by all of those companies that he would be a kajillionaire at this point, right? Like it's just a joke. So seeing him in some of these articles of clothing in some of these brands. Now this allows him to have this extra revenue stream, but then it also allows to see the brand say, Oh, he is a driving factor and a driving force. Have you seen some of these athletes then, you know, create that revenue stream and then almost create like full on partnerships and sponsorships from something like that? Or is that even a goal of, of what you're trying to do at game day? You're, you're, you hit the nail right on the head. Like that's that second piece as I see it is the, is the big opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's the, the awareness of the value and then helping change the conversations within those business relationships. So mm -hmm. think of it as it, it's a, it's a tool that an athlete can use. It's what an agent can use. It's what a business manager can use. Everybody that sort of has the athlete's best interest in mind with becoming aware. And it may not even leverage a relationship with that brand that they represent, but once you can understand the influence that you have at a product level, at a brand level, at a retailer level, at a category level, that can be leveraged for any future conversation because you now understand what you can help drive. And really none of that information is readily available unless the, the name is on the back of your jersey. Really, because think mm -hmm. of the shoes uh, example. Uh, many of them wear 
the Kobe's, Kobe Bryant shoes. Well, if, if a quarter of the league wears Kobe Bryant shoes, who's to say what influence each athlete has mm-hmm. over the transaction from a transactional level or from a consumer's perspective. And every, the, the other reality is that every athlete has influence, mm-hmm. whether you have 25,000 followers, whether you have 2000 followers, or you have 40 million followers, every single one of them has a base that is interested in understanding who they are and influence to change the conversation. Hundred percent. I completely believe that. Um, especially when you see some of these guys where they come from, that's always very important. You know, obviously. So I work with a lot of Olympic athletes, and you know, the always the thing that we always try and focus on: where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? You know, I learned that from someone else. You know, shout out Irv. He's incredible, and he he's helped me a lot through these last couple of years. And he's like, go those places first because they are known there. Their high school probably has pictures of them. Their college probably talks about if you're an Olympic athlete, or you know, like again, some of these NBA athletes or, or NFL you're going to be known where you grew up because everyone comes from somewhere. And it's very, it's not very often that all of these athletes are from LA, right? Like you're usually probably coming from somewhere where you're one of the most famous people there now uh, from what you did. So I totally agree with you. Everyone's got that base. And so I guess how, who came first, the the athlete, the chicken or the, the fan, the egg, how, how did you kind of build this platform to make sure that both of these, cause if you have way too many athletes, then why the hell are they going to care? Cause no one's buying anything. If you have way too many fans, there's not enough content or anything for them to buy. So how do you kind of grow both these user bases at the same time? So that's, that, that it's a challenge. It's a mm-hmm. challenge. Um, I will say, you know, and, and it continues to be a challenge. Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the initial early on before it was before I sort of started, I started to understand the athlete impact and the athlete opportunity. It was the realization, wow, we really have to grow the game day brand to create fan awareness, to then be able to talk to athletes to say, Hey, we, we know that we have a thousand followers who are following your profile on game day. Well, if you think about the two different sides, while we continue to do that, what we also are excited about is really leveraging and partnering with our partner athletes to um, share in their, in the story to help them use their, their social capital to create awareness for their profile. So think of it as, Hey, if I'm, if as an athlete, if I'm already posting me walking into the arena or I'm working out on the field and I have a bunch of brands that I have relationships with, or it's just some training gear. And I happen to post up, just post the picture. What's the harm in also saying, Hey, and if you're interested in any of this stuff, just follow me on game day. And that sort of starts that awareness from a fan's perspective. Now those fans of that athlete know that they can always start the discovery process of what makes that athlete who they are from game day. Mm-hmm. And so that, that can shift the mindset of the fan to say, oh, I saw this, even if from a social perspective, I saw this, I'm going to start a game day. I'm just going to just use game day now to sort of understand what made him. And maybe I'll see other athletes and mm-hmm. understand more about them too. So how, wh- what is the differentiation or what is the additional benefit to the fans to say, well, I can just see them on Instagram already. Why do I like, why should I then go over to game day? Because there's that, there's that next level opportunity to directly buy it. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, and, and we're starting to see a little bit more of that in the social platforms of introducing shopping. Mm-hmm. 
What we haven't yet understood is to what level will that be readily available from an athlete slash influencer perspective? Uh Again, I see it as every athlete has that opportunity. Every athlete has influence. But if if those platforms are going to require a certain level of fan base, follower base, what you have, whatever you have there, then I think there's barriers. Mm-hmm. So for one, it's every athlete, we're, we're sort of democratizing that, that opportunity within the game day platform. And we've actually also introduced the social aspect to where an athlete can now authorize their Instagram account. And we'll start tagging all of that content within their game day platform to create shopping opportunities. So while that content is there, you can also experience it within the game day platform. That's awesome. But I would also say that the tagging of the content is one thing in Instagram or in the social platforms, but it's that next opportunity. Again, it's that I see it and I want it opportunity from a fan that we're all expecting. Mm-hmm. 100%. If you see it, are you, you're going to go search for it. You see it all the time in the comments. And that, that was another validation for me is in the comments of an athlete's post, it's what is this? Where do I find it? How do I buy it? Hundred percent. That's constant, you, and so we want to we want to directly influence that behavior. It's nice and easy. You click, you tap, you buy, kind of thing, right? Yep. yep. How how fantastic! You guys yep. get a little bit. The athlete makes sure they get something. Have you guys gone to the brands themselves to kind of kind of make that work around, like rather than through the front door, kind of go around to the back and say, "Hey, you know, I know you have all of these athletes, Nike or Adidas or Reebok." you know, if you can bring them to this platform, all these people will then have the opportunity to buy their product like that. Have you guys had those conversations? I've had a few conversations with a couple different brands. It's a, it's a strategy. Oh, of that, course. Yeah. That, that certainly we're, we're focused on. So you think about the agents, you think about the business managers, you think about the athletes themselves, you think about the brands uh, and sort of packaging them up in a different way. So it's certainly an opportunity that I'm, I'm excited to, mm-hmm. to have. An interesting anecdote, if you think about the, the brands themselves, <clears throat> during the French Open last summer, Novak Djokovic is a Lacoste brand, uh, brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> on NBC, on the broadcast, on linear television, what they did on his, during his matches is they put a QR code in the bottom right corner. And the announcers, before the break, each time said, hey, and if you're interested in buying what Novak's wearing right now from Lacoste, pull out your cell phone and scan this QR code. Now, uh, I didn't realize the QR codes were still, still a thing, <laughs> let alone the introduction to in, within a linear broadcast. So creating those opportunities from a fan base and the reach that that can create. And again, you scan that QR code and it drove you directly to Lacoste, to a Novak Djokovic page with the shorts, shirt, socks, wristband, directly able to buy it. Now, Lacoste and, and NBC worked that out. And Lacoste is a, obviously is a partner with Novak Djokovic. The interesting thing from a brand perspective is game day can create all of those experiences without any technical challenges from a brand perspective. So the, mm-hmm. the excitement around the partnerships that we can forge with brands to create those, that awareness and that discovery opportunity is really exciting. Once that you is- know that they're willing to do it, certainly in that capacity, what they missed out on was head, which is Novak's racket and ASICs, which is, which is Novak's shoes. And so from a fan's perspective, they missed out on that 360 degree view of that match. Mm -hmm. They could have bought the whole damn thing. Could have been, they could have considered themselves Novak and really all it takes is wearing what he, what he's wearing. And now you become him. 
Mm -hmm. How many more times do I need to see a 350 yard drive from Dustin Johnson before I want to buy his driver? And that's really all it takes. It's not the, it's not the magician. It's the wand. Or Ricky Fowler. We could, my grandma loves all his clothes. So why not? Right. Let's get, let's get her dressed up. (laughs) That is, that is so cool. And I just think, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like it, it just makes sense that people want to buy these things. And as you said, sometimes it's the exclusivity. Sometimes it's just the, you know, I, I do need a new driver. Um, you know, I want to hit the ball that far. We all kind of know that's not quite how it works. Right. But I mean, I, you remember growing up, it was, you know, what's the best bat? This one. Okay, we're all going to buy it as, as like 12-year-olds, which yep. means our parents are spending $400 on a bat that we're going to use for two more years. Right. Shout out to our parents. Really appreciate <laughs> yeah, them there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just that like opportunity, I think, is, is pretty darn cool. And I guess, how did, you, how did you explain this to the first few athletes? Like, what, again, the, iterate, the iteration, it's changed a little bit over the time. But now when you're trying to introduce these athletes, these business managers, these agents, how are you going to them? And I guess, what's that pitch to say, you should spend an extra couple minutes a day and we can help you make money? I mean, it's probably that easy, but how do you go about like really getting them to understand the, the power and the capabilities of your platform? So that's something that I continue to, um, I don't, I don't want to say I struggle with, but it's a, it's a, it's an evolution. It's, uh, as with every story of here, course, yeah. and, and every pitch, I would say that, you know, initially it was, Hey, we want to, we just want to share on the revenue with you. And then as I learn more about really what the capabilities of the platform are, and again, I'm still sort of learning about what really, how capable is this platform with really the, with from an analytics perspective, from a reporting aspect, from a leverage perspective. So as I continue to discover, I'm, that's helping shift and evolve this story. But I would say it's, it, it's the points of we put money in your pocket. We generate you, you generate the, the metrics to leverage the conversations. And what we, the, the real big point that uh, we, I try to hammer home is what we don't want this to be is a burden. That's the last thing we want game day to be on an athlete because oftentimes the reaction is I don't have time and I don't want to do it and don't make me do it, especially from an agent's perspective. Don't force me to ask my client to do something more. I'm already asking him to do pitches or, mm-hmm. you know, sponsored posting, whatever that is. The exciting thing about where we're at today is many athletes, agents of that business side, they have time today to have those conversations. It's a blessing and a curse with where we're at today. But I will say the the evolution of the pitch has really been, we want to do all of this for you. And really the only thing we're asking of you is use your social platforms to create awareness. And if you're already posting about what you're doing, then just mention it in the, in the caption and just, just create the awareness that way. We will then understand how impactful is that? Is that driving engagement? And if that's all it takes, that's all we want you to do. While we on the game day side connect the dots between your game day or your social content, we want to take the onus off of from an operational perspective. Again, think about if I go back to 15 years ago from an operational perspective, that's an area that I pride myself on in trying to find those efficiencies. And that's where I really think that we have an opportunity to leverage a lot of what we've learned and what I've learned over time to take the responsibility off of the athlete and, and put it on the platform. Mm -hmm. 
And so it sounds like the social content that they put up, does it just flow right into game day? Yeah. Like they don't even, so essentially you guys just hook something up in some capacity, like Buffer or Hootsuite, and it's just like, ding, and it just kind of pops over to what their, their game day profile is? Yeah, there, there might be a slight delay. Like we have some triggers. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. What, what, if they post something, um, I, the, the caveat is that it's a business account, but many of them, or a creator account. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, once they post it, then it comes into our system and then we analyze those images. So we're looking at the caption, we're looking at the tags, we're looking at what else is in that image to understand what the product, from a product level perspective is. Mm-hmm. And you then know, how if, the cool- athlete, if the athlete is willing to tell us or ahead of time, like we will create those relationships and we will understand how, how much more impactful would it be if you told us ahead of time and we immediately connected the dots. And with some relationships, we will have that opportunity. But with others, maybe we'll, you know, that we will, uh, the, the athlete won't care as much. And so we will, we will own that. We'll take that responsibility on. Mm-hmm. And then how, um, how cool is it when you're capable of saying like, hey, athlete X, we just made you hundred bucks like how like those i'm sure once they start seeing the actual money flow they're much more interested um in in helping out the cause a little bit more that's the exciting part is this is what you didn't have before and let's go back a little bit further uh from an athlete's perspective all ranges of athletes so one of our athletes that we've talked to is trying to make it on the pga tour he's on the mina tour and spends a lot of time in um, Dubai. He's responsible for paying his caddies. He's responsible for his tournament entrance fees. So if his game day platform, if his game day profile can fund his training, can fund his caddy. So he's not, you know, that's not out of pocket. That's a huge weight off that athlete's back. And so it's given that it's all at all ranges of athletes. Cause all, cause again, remember all athletes have influence, then it's, it's, it's not just the 1%. In fact, we actually see it as the opportunity for the underrepresented athletes for the underrepresented leagues in helping them maximize their value, because it's hard to say how much longer their careers are going to be in the professional sports world. So if we can put money in their pocket to fund their careers, that's less worry that they have in ex- and, and the opportunity to extend their careers a little longer. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like I that. would also say just one other point on that is for those athletes that may not care about that extra hundred bucks in their pocket, who I think cares is their charities. That was gonna be my next question. You're incredible, Danny. Keep going. So if, if they're simply posting about uh, in social or they're u- leveraging the game day platform to fund their personal charities or, you know, wh- whoever they, they, whatever they're representing for the time, then that's a huge benefit for that charity. That's one less check that they're going to write to fund. And it's simply using their, their social platform and, and their social capital to create that, that new revenue stream. <clears throat> I am writing down four or five names of people that I've had on the show that I will be introducing you to um, after, because I think that is very important. Um, 
yeah. on what they do and how you can you can help them. I think that's pretty pretty fantastic. And uh, I know we're a couple minutes over time, so I do apologize. I hope you didn't have a call. I mean, it's still pretty early on the West Coast. So I think hopefully <laughs> hopefully you're fine there. Yeah. Um, but um, my my coffee cup's empty, but I'll I'll fill. Oh that no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This only should be a couple more minutes, so you can get that next cup in a second. But um. So how so what what are some of the successes you've already seen? Like how many athletes? Maybe you don't have to give us exact numbers. I don't know exactly how that works, but how many athletes are on the platform? How many fans? do you see coming to the platform, um, I guess, relatively recently? I mean, this weird, weird dead zone we're in right now. I don't know if it's helpful. We'll get to that in a second. But like how, in a normal world, how have you seen the growth of the product uh, over the last couple of years? So over the last, I, I would say two months, now is really the, the focal point around creating athlete awareness. So if we take a step back from a platform perspective, we just launched a brand new version of our website, which will become a, a native app on the Android platform, the Google Play Store, and it will become a, a refreshed iOS app. So that will create a, a consistent experience similar to what the experience is on gmdy.co. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've been focusing a lot on the technology and, and really putting the platform in the right position which includes those that tie in with Instagram. So when we launched the, the, the new website two weeks, three weeks ago now, that introduced social shopping. And so that immediately created that opportunity. So that I would say that is another important talking point as we are now doing that outreach, leagues, athletes, agents, business managers, brand, et cetera. So now is really our focal point around creating athlete awareness. And so it's a big push for us right now. So we're still very early. We're still pre-revenue. You know, we're looking, we're, we're actually in, a, in the process of raising a seed round um, with those expectations of really creating momentum to um, as more athletes are becoming more aware of the platform. So still early, we've got three, three athletes on the platform today, but we're learning a lot from those athletes. And I think that's the most important thing of the, for these early stage athletes is their willingness to share and their willingness to understand, hey, this is the situation we're in, but me as an athlete, I have a voice that can help determine the direction of this platform. Like that's an amazing opportunity from an athlete's perspective that they may not have had and their, their interest in learning about the startup world. Mm -hmm. so sort of a, a shared opportunity from our early, early adopters and the platform itself. Going back to impact, look at that conversation always comes full circle. Does, yeah. always, that's why I always ask that first question because I, I, I noticed there's always going to be a theme, especially when it comes to kind of what you're doing. And so this is awesome, Danny. I, I really like what you're doing. I think it's incredible. As I said, there's a few names that I wrote down that I think may uh, you may be able to have a good conversation with and understanding and how they work with charities, if they are a charity, how they work with their athletes and what they're capable of. What... um. So you kind of explained it a little bit, this downturn or this, this pause, let's call it, uh, because it will come back. Sports will be back. Everyone remember that. Yep. Everyone remember that. Um, what, el what else are you doing from uh, the – so you, you kind of described the league, the, the athlete, that side. How are you trying to take advantage of this time from the fan perspective and really trying to build that user base as well? Yeah, so we've done a lot to date once we – now that we have this yeah, the new, this, yeah. new, this new platform um, – and doing a, lot, a bunch of social campaigns. So we're trying to grow from, from a social perspective, certainly on the more visual social platforms. Gear, you know, it's, it's a very visual, you know, sports are very visual, 
gear is very visual. You're, you're sort of, I see it and I want it. Again, that goes back to the theme of what is, is important from my perspective for the fan is that instant gratification. So we're utilizing those platforms to create awareness from a fan's perspective. There's been some, some discussions and some inbound leads around can the game day platform create some fundraising opportunities around the situation that we're in right now? Can we as a platform help create um, a new revenue stream for some of the causes that are, that mm -hmm. are raising? And so there's a couple technical aspects to it, but we're, I'm trying to figure out how can we, how can we quickly evolve the platform to allow for that? And there's not a lot that we need to do, but, I think that will help us could create some awareness from a fan's perspective in, Hey, we're, we're also not only are, are you as a sports fan, but are you interested in helping fund? If you're already going to buy Steph Curry's Jersey, why not do it through game day and help mm -hmm. raise money for, for the right cause. And that, that would be from a platform perspective. Um, but while we're doing that, it also generates awareness around that athlete's influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does that. It helps uh, that that I think would be incredible because you're helping, you know, a uh, friend of mine, friend of the show, John Balcom wrote a book. It's called the three win, uh, mm -hmm. three win sponsorship, if I'm not mistaken. I apologize, John, if I mis uh, have that uh, wrong, but it's it's about the 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 layer of cause marketing and how if you take that first and then work out the, the property and the sponsor, usually it all works out significantly better that way. So yeah. if you can think of a way to help and then say, you know, Steph Curry, hey, Nike, you know, you guys, you're selling these jerseys anyway. You know, yep. we can help sell it through this aspect. Steph Curry's going to make more money. Nike's going to make more money. And we're going to be able to donate this um, to the cause and to help the cause as well. So I think that that would be really important. And hopefully you guys can land a really big fish like Steph Curry if he's listening. I don't, I don't know if he is. He might. Maybe he's a cool dude. Um, you know, <laughs> if he is listening, the opportunity to do something like that, I think is very important. So yeah. I love I love the way you're thinking about it. And plus, it would be significantly helpful for the business. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, helping out your business, helping out the cause and helping out these athletes, I think would be very, very important. So last question I have for you, and I think it's awesome the way you kind of described something before is, you know where you want to be. Now we have to reverse engineer how do we get there. So you're well on that way right now. But where is that, you know, what was that point that you started all the way up here to say, okay, now we're going to reverse engineer from this point. So where, what is that point? What is game day? What did game day look like when you started this whole process? Backwards. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, it, it's a, it's a great question. Um, Thanks. And, and it's always, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, pat uh, myself on the back. Yeah. All right. It, it, it was a, it was a sticking point and, and it, it's interesting because it was a sticking point with, with a, a risk that I was feeling I was showing or, or um, lack of focus. So I think of it as I think of game day really as the consumer engine for entertainment, nothing that says an athlete is any different than a performer. Mm -hmm. uh, think of a, the events are a live, live tour, mm -hmm. those types of things. And also what else can the platform, where else can the platform be leveraged? Think of streaming games. Think of the, the sports platform that already has an engaged fan base. How can we create consumer opportunities around that by plugging in and being a partner of those platforms to show that Jersey, to show Steph Curry's social posts, that sort of thing. So really being that platform that can create consumer opportunities wherever sports fans are but I'll take taking a step back. It was more entertainment. It was, it was all of entertainment. 
what so many of my, from a feedback perspective was, while that's interesting, what's super important is for you to show focus. And whether that's showing focus from, as you're telling the story to investors or partners or mentors or people who you're trying to bring on from a, um, a, a team perspective, show that focus and show that there's that direct insights that you can show a single vertical. And from there, then, then it's a natural expansion. But, and it also helps that as a sports fan, I'm a mm -hmm. sports fan. So I can, I can leverage my, my interest in sports, but it really uh, showing the focus, but while trying to show the overall vision of what the platform is. And it really is today. It's that consumer engine for sports. I love it. I love it. And then I also have to ask being in the startup world or now I never mind. I'm not going to ask that one. Uh, Danny, that's about all. Did we touch every, I think we touched upon just about everything. Is there anything we missed? No, you've just piqued my interest in what that question could be, but I'll... Uh, I'll ask it off air. Don't worry. I'm going to ask it off. It's one of those, maybe, maybe we don't want to have it with the red button going. Um, so one more time, Danny Harris, co-founder of Game Day, incredible person, helping athletes, helping causes, helping fans, engaging experiences. I love it. Thanks so much, Danny. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you all so much for listening to this conversation with Danny Harris. As I said, he is a super cool dude. He's a super smart dude, and he knows way more about a lot of things than I do. So I'm glad I got the opportunity to chat with him. And I'm very excited for game day and the opportunities that can come for some of these athletes. So make sure to check out the show notes, all of his socials, game day socials, all the website information will be there to check it out in case any athletes were listening and want to try and find a way to make an extra buck. So thank you all so much for listening. Time's the only thing we don't get more of. So I appreciate you giving me some of yours and I hope you make it a wonderful day.